Welcome to the Disney Parks Podcast with your hosts, Tony Castlenova from DisneyByTheNumbers.com and Parkhopper John from WDWParkhoppers.com. Keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the podcast at all times and get ready for the Disney Parks Podcast. Have you ever come to Orlando and you're the person that has to make all the dining plans, all the fast passes, get all the tickets? Well, we have a service that can help you do this. This is the best service. They are themeparkconcierge.com. You can call them up at 407-257-9973. Tell them your plans. They'll send you a little profile, get some information about you and your traveling party and what you want to do, what you don't want to do. And then they can set up a custom plan for you. And they'll take you around the parks. They'll make the dining plans. They'll get the fast passes. They'll take you to... Walt Disney World, they'll take you to Universal, they'll take you to Busch Gardens, to SeaWorld, to Legoland, to all of those places, and they will do all of the work for you. Contact them at themeparkconcierge.com, check them out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Ramon VIP Concierge, or email them at Ramon at themeparkconcierge.com. I am telling you, you won't not be disappointed and if you tell them the Disney Parks podcast sent you you'll get 10% off your order. All right everybody, welcome to the Disney Parks podcast. We have a tremendous show, uh, a guest that we've been trying to get on for a while that we're very excited to bring you. Mr. Lee Cockrell is the former executive vice president of operations uh, for the Walt Disney World Resort. As a senior operating executive for 10 years, Lee led a team of 40,000 cast members and was responsible for the operations of 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks, a shopping and entertainment village, and the ESPN Sports and Recreation Complex. And there's so much more. That's just scratching the very, very tip of the iceberg of how much and how uh, incredibly uh, important that Mr. Lee Cockrell is. And we have him here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lee Cockrell. Welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. It is such an incredible honor and and pleasure. One of one of the things that I do outside of the Disney stuff is I I do leadership and personal development. I've read your books. Uh, I keep up with you. So you have not only invested in 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 thousands and hundreds of other people and leaders across the world. You've invested in me. And uh, if I didn't say this now, I would feel horrible. But thank you so much for what you've brought not only to my life but the life of leaders around the world. Well, thank you. That's very nice. The only reason I know everything is I'm old and I'm a grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) The older I get, the more that I realize I don't know half of what I thought I did. Yeah, I never did either. There you go. All right. So, Lee, we'd like to uh, ask everybody that uh, joins our show is uh, how their you know journey with Disney began. So, how did your uh, journey with Disney begin? Well, I got in the hotel business and started in 1965 with Hilton Hotels and worked for them for eight years in uh, Washington, Chicago, New York, L.A. Uh, joined uh, Marriott in 1973 when they had uh, 35 hotels. <laughs> That's it. Today they got 6,000. Worked for them for 17 years and became vice president of food and beverage operations for them. And then I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to Paris and uh, be in charge 
charge of the food and beverage operations there and open all the restaurants and that sort of thing because I had a background in food. And I did that, and we lived in Paris three years. And then I got recruited to come to Orlando, where I was in charge of the hotels for two years. And then I became responsible for all the operations there for about 10 years before I retired. Wow. So that that was a quick career. Wow. wow. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure there were times it didn't feel like it that quick. Uh, that's correct. <laughs> My wife is in, uh, she's in AV uh, for a company that's housed inside of currently. She's working with a, a Hilton, but she's she's on property. And uh, there are days, she says, there are just, there's days. So I, I feel for you. Food and beverage yeah. is not an easy gig, my friend. It's a, t- it's a tough business. And the worst days were the one job I got about 40 years ago. I got fired after 90 days because the place went bankrupt. and oh. So that wasn't a good day, but yeah. my wife thought it was good because she didn't like where we were living, so uh, she said go. good. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Was it uh, hard to do uh, food and beverage in Paris? I would think, you know, they're pretty much foodies over there. That would be a, a tall order. Yeah, it was, actually. But the bigger problem was just we had no nobody there. I mean, it was a startup, mm-hmm. so we had I had to go around the country for months on hiring chefs, food and beverage managers, restaurant managers. Awesome. I had to hire about 225 with the goal that they spoke French and English. And uh, so we were on the road for months and months and months trying to find these people. So that was the hard part. But I met Julia Child while I was there, and she looked down at me and said, Mr. Cockrell, I hope the food's going to be good here. <laughs> I said, that was a little pressure. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, France, food, that's what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so we really worked hard on it, and we had some great people there, and uh, they did a great job. And, and uh, yeah, it was hard, though. But we put, all, we put a lot of American wines in, and the French loved them. I mean, oh, really? They, really? we were the first ones to bring American wines into France, and uh, they just thought they were terrific. So we got a little credit there. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we, I, uh, I got to go over to uh, to Disneyland Paris uh, about four years ago, and uh, every every time we ordered a bottle of wine, it wound up being an American wine. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, when we first went there in 1990, there was zero American wine, and you, you were it was you were hard pressed to even find an Italian or a Spanish wine. I mean, it was all French, and wow. so it's changed a lot, like every country. Right. Yeah. So who was who was your uh, next up the food chain? Who was your who was your direct report? Because uh, I you know I know that was a, a big project for Michael Eisner, uh, but who were, who was actually the person you were reporting to while you were doing all this building Euro Disney? Yeah, I was. Uh, reporting to a guy named Sanjay Varma who had worked for me at Marriott and he had left and gone to Disney. He was the executive vice president over there. And uh, he called me and I ended up working for him. So I guess, I guess I had been nice to him. So you got to be careful uh, because we switched. (laughs) Yeah. So that was great. Michael Eisner was there a lot and uh, Frank Wells and everybody in the company came to visit us frequently. Yeah, it was great. What, what was it like when, when Frank, and Michael were around were they I mean I know they're you know executives and I know that they were trying to get a, a park built but what were they like just to be in the room with I mean because we, we've read books and we've heard stories yeah 
you have firsthand knowledge. Yeah. Oh, they were. I actually, they were very professional. I never had any issues with them, but I didn't go to bed till I was sure they were asleep. So, <laughs> <Smart man. laughs> I didn't. I didn't want them wandering around without me around. So I, I actually knew which room they were in, and I waited till I saw the lights go out, and then I went home. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. We. Uh, uh, we'll skip that. But <laughs> talking about Disneyland Paris, uh, how do you? Feel that now that Disney's bought most of those shares back, uh, you know, from Disneyland Paris is now have a, a better control of what could happen there. Yeah, I think the problem, you know, we had problems from the start because we had too much debt. Right. Uh, we built too much too soon, had about $2 billion debt, couldn't make the principal, just ended up barely making the interest payments to the banks and then having to refinance every five years because we ran out of cash. And that makes you do things you don't want to do, like all of a sudden you start scheduling less and then you don't do the maintenance. And so I'm glad they've got it back and they're putting it in back into shape. And it's just like when you buy a house and lose your job. You don't paint it, you don't take care of it, you don't do anything. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that was a good move. I'm glad they finally moved in there and uh, uh, bought that back out. Yeah. So, so you come back over to the United States, and you're now the executive vice president at Walt Disney World Resort. Could you kind of walk us through what a day in the life was for you? Because you know we're just fans; we don't have any idea what yeah. what you guys go through. Could you kind of give us like a, a kind of a thirty-six thousand foot view of what a day was like for you? Sure, I'm sure every executive or manager at Disney would give you a different story, but I'm a very routine person. I like routine. I uh, got to work about 6.15 in the morning, and I didn't have any meetings till 8 or 8.30, so I had time to plan my day and week and answer my emails and, uh, and get a handle on things before it all started for the day. And then I went to meetings. I scheduled time every week to go out into the parks uh, for three or four hours, uh, sometimes announced, sometimes unannounced. Sometimes I took my grandkids, so I'd look just like a guest. Right. And I just went out and experienced it and got feedback from them. They told me the kids' meals were terrible, so we worked on those. And <laughs> <laughs> the uh, water fountain water wasn't cold. And I, you know, I learned a lot from them because they, they, they're not bashful children. Right. So uh, that's how I saw stood in line and uh, got a feel for how it was really happening so that I was aware of the truth because I always tell people even in my book Creating Magic I say if you don't know the truth you can't make a decision so right. you got to go find out for yourself and uh, so I did that and then of course occasionally we'd have a crisis like 9-11 or hurricanes or recessions or where everybody had to work day and night to get that under control and uh, so there were great times and there were times that were tough and uh, but on balance, it was great, you know, like anything in life. On balance, it was terrific. Were there bad days? Sure. And uh, But I would say overall, uh, most of my days were good. And uh, I usually left at 5 o'clock and went to the gym for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Got home at about quarter to 7. Saw my wife very little during the week and spent the weekend with her. So that was kind of my life. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think sometimes uh, you just got to, I mean, it's hard to get a lot of time off. I, I would tell you guys tonight, this is the latest I've ever been up. So uh, Wow. <laughs> not really. I stay up late on New Year's Eve. I go to bed at 10. So, 
<laughs> but um, I, you know, when you're under a lot of stress and uh, working like that, that especially at Disney and any big brand, uh, yeah. you really got to have a lot of energy. You got to be on your toes. Everybody's watching you and judging you, and they want you to be alert and paying attention to them. And so, uh, getting enough sleep was one of my tricks. Yeah, yeah when I, uh, I I had worked uh, for Disney in the '90s doing uh, security, and I remember my managers kind of working like 12 to 16 hour days and I'm like don't you guys go home <laughs> I mean, yeah, don't you have a wife or a family or something <laughs> I had a few of those and especially at Euro Disney I used to get to work around 5 in the morning and get home around 10.30 at night wow. the last 7 months before we opened because opening was brutal the first 2 years before opening was great <laughs> and, right. until the guests showed up and then we had a lot of work to do <laughs> well, so uh, yeah it was good there's good and bad I mean there's times you got to go in the bunker and just work like crazy and then that passes and you can go have a better time after that but there's time to put your head down yeah so what would you say is the hardest or most challenging thing about managing you know 40,000 people uh there's got to be some difficulty with that well, there could be. I think the reason I, I didn't have a lot of difficulty because I've kind of got this theory that if you hire the right people and take your time and have great people around you and then you train them well and have a lot of clarity around your expectations for performance and then create a culture where people wake up in the morning excited to come to work instead of uh, waking up wishing that it was Friday already. And so those three things I think we do well at Disney. I think uh, as somebody said once, hire them right, train them right, and treat them right and uh that's pretty much uh disney i mean it's a business and there's a lot of pressure on you know but uh, overall uh i didn't have too many biggest problem i ever had is when you had to let somebody go i that's what i hated most of all you know a good person who wasn't performing anymore or some reason their personal life got messed up and they couldn't do the job those are always difficult but i guarantee you, if you if you take your time and surround yourself I, I i tell people i didn't know what was going on but i had people around me who did and and uh, I relied on them. Plus, I don't have a big need to un, uh, full control of everything. I trust the people I hire because it takes a lot of time to get them and then let them do their job. And then I f- try to figure out where to spend my time. And I spent it on making sure we were hiring the right people, that we were training people properly. And I, I tried to be a good role model for leadership and management. So, Because, as you know, everybody's watching us all the time and evaluating right. if we're walking the talk. So right. that was enough to keep me busy. Okay. So, as as an executive, did you actually find yourself going to the parks any to just go? Yeah, oh yeah, I went a lot, and uh, I spent a lot of time in the parks and the resorts, and uh, even yeah, I did because that's where the reality is. And uh, you can sit in your office and think everything's great. And I always tell people, you're never as good as you think you are until you get out there and experience it. And uh, no, I really challenge all leaders to get out. And if you're in a call center, listen to calls from the customers, walk your operations, get to know the people, because that's where the truth is. The guests and the cast members will tell you what to do if you'll just get to know them and ask them. (laughs) You don't have to hire any consultants. You got them already. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, every day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's great. I mean it's 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 brilliant and I you know, not just Disney, but I think more executives need to do that because there there's a lot of companies out there. Well, I mean, I could even 
anyway, there's there's some executives that I know need to get out and, and walk the uh, as a leader that talked about walking the shop floor. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you better be careful. Not, you better be careful not to point them out tonight. But yeah, no, it's true. I tell people we need more teachers and less bosses. You know, just teach people like you do your kids. You just, you know, don't boss people around that when you boss people around, you don't get the most out of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, I think we read that you had about 7,000 leaders that, you know, were under you. So how did you motivate those 7,000 people to make sure they were going to go out and give that Disney experience, uh, you know, every single day? Yeah, well, I think the formula is pretty clear. You know, I, first of all, I don't believe you motivate people. I think if everybody motivates themselves, so I try to hire the right people that are already motivated <laughs> to do a great job and have a personal values where they wake up and do their job no matter what. And I say that's what we did. We hired the right kind of people. We uh, tried to deal with people who weren't performing, and we gave them such good training. They felt good about themselves and had good self-esteem and self-confidence, and I guess we treated them right, and they uh, – you know, they did it because they wanted to, not because they had to. And that's what right. my goal in life is. I don't want to be in a job where I have to stand over people and make them do it because they're afraid of me. I want them to have an environment and a culture where they feel so good about things that they want to take care of the guest. And uh, and we have good training and we have good uh, uh, onboarding. And uh, so those kind of things. And, of course, Disney is – most people are proud to say they work for Disney. And, yeah. uh uh, like we weren't selling cigarettes, <laughs> you know, right. or or oil or something that makes people mad. So right. we, ha I was pretty good shape because ninety nine percent of our guests are already happy when they get there. So we just got to keep them happy. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. I agree. We uh, one of the things that that I do on occasion is I'll uh, I'll drive for Uber or Lyft, just you know when I have some extra free time, and uh, I wind up driving a lot of cast members because I'm local. And a lot of them are college program kids or, you know, cast members that have been around um, for a while. And, and a majority of them just love working at Disney. It's like their, their greatest joy in life is to be able to, to walk on property and, and do that. They, they've thought about it. They've dreamed about it. And that's all they wanted to do with their lives is work at Disney. Yeah, that's true. I run into a lot of parents that are glad their kids did the college program because it put a good Disney name on their resume and helped them all the rest of their careers. And and then we got a few that are not too happy working there. So <laughs> I'm sure they get in your car, too. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> but they're easy to figure out uh, who they are, Lee. Yeah. yeah, what happens, you know, people sometimes go along in their career and they get disappointed things didn't work out sure. the way they thought they would 30 years ago. And uh, that's understandable. And then they start get a little attitude. Just as long as they don't share that attitude with the guests, it's fine. I said, I tell people, you don't have to be happy to work at Disney. You got to act happy for eight hours. Right. So that's uh, it's well, like putting on a show. That's what we do, and we got a part in the show, and we do it. That's right. And that's what professionals do. Right. And the reality is, is you know, it's not just Disney. They're probably a lot of people are just unhappy. Period. <laughs> <laughs> you got that. That's my theory. Three percent of the people are born unhappy, and they stay that way their whole life. Right. I, I think the number's higher, but I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> you you probably know some. Might be some. Your relatives. I, I may or may not be sitting across the desk from one. Oh, oh. Go ahead. Uh, so what would you tell somebody, Lee, that says, hey, I want to go work for Disney? What, what would be some advice that you would tell them? 
First of all, I would tell, I get that question a hundred times a month, but yeah. uh, I tell them, uh, if you really want to be with Disney, I don't care what you got your degree in. I don't care if you have a degree. I don't care anything. You just need to get in early and stay long because if you get stay out too long and you're out there and you start making a pretty decent salary, it's difficult to get back into Disney because there's thousands of people waiting in line with for, for a promotion. And uh, so I, I would say get in early when you're young, 20, 21, 22, 23, and then show everybody how great you are and actually be great <laughs> with your attitude and being on time and doing your job and learning. And you'll probably get your break and you'll probably get into management. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I think about is uh, don't try to get in when you're 35 and you got a mortgage, two kids and a house and you, mm. you, you can't move and you're making too much money to get in So because you can't afford to start at the bottom at that point. Yeah. Start at the bottom when you're young. Right. Yeah, that's one thing I did uh, when I worked there is, you know, it may not have been your dream position that you were hired for. You know, it right. might have been custodial, or security host or whatever it is, but at least you got your foot in the door and then could make the move to something else within Disney. And lots of cast members never stay really in the same position very long. They're wow. always moving to something else. Well, and I tell people, they say, what do you think is important? I say, experience, get experience. Yeah. That's probably a good experience in travel. I tell people, exposure and uh, experience are the two big things that will make drive your career. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so we we know that, you know, you, you have a lot of people that interview you from Disney like we are. So if it's okay with you, we'd kind of like to ask you a couple of questions about the future uh, for Disney just to kind of get your take on it. Uh, All right. Do you think that we'll ever see a fifth park at Disney World? Yeah, I've been asked that a few times. I doubt it because already you can't see them if you're here two weeks. And most people are here four days, maybe five. And uh, Disney has enough room in all four of the current parks to make them bigger as they have more demand for more attendance. So I would be surprised because I'm not sure you'd ever get the money back to build a fifth park. It would probably cost you a billion and a half dollars now. And uh, so I doubt it. I think uh, I'm not even sure we'll see any more parks anywhere because you got to be careful not to start uh, losing business because you've sit, you know, if somebody says Brazil or South America, that I don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah. Because we want those people up here. Right. And, uh, and in California, of course. And Canada loves to come down here. There's not going to be one there. And we got now one in Shanghai and Hong Kong. And that's pretty well covered. Yeah. I guess one day you might, somebody might think India. But uh, their middle class is growing pretty quick. Mm. I think India has more people in the middle class in India than America has population. Wow. There's 350 million middle class people in India. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. And the other thing, in China, there's 350 million or more people who speak English. Yeah. Right. So now I think we'll probably see just these four. Yeah. And actually, Disney Springs has almost become like a park. It's so unbelievable. Yeah. You could definitely now spend a whole day there, probably. And, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I know a lot of people that do that, you know, their first day that they come, maybe they've come in the afternoon. They don't go yeah. to a park. They, you know, spend their whole day at Disney Springs. So. Well, one lady told me she couldn't afford to go there. I said, take your kids to Disney Springs. They won't know the difference. They'll have a ball. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Especially Free during party. Yeah, especially during the holidays. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 
So the other thing that's coming up is the new Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going around on the internet that it's going to be this full-on immersive experience. Uh, is, is Disney and the public ready for uh, you know a full-on you know immersive experience? Well, I think they are for uh, Star Wars. This is an unbelievable. I can't believe this thing's been around so long. I mean, this thing was. Uh, it's amazing, and I think yeah. they will. I even. I think Disney will. You know, that's why people come down here. They want a theme. They want to stay in a hotel. This theme. They want to. You know, they want the whole ball of wax, and uh, right. it's really a special visit. That really, there's no place in the world where you can get it like you do here. I mean, there are other parks around the world, but this one is big and it's got more variety and if you got teenagers the girls can go off and do their thing the boys and meet meet up for dinner and uh, i mean it's just amazing and so i imagine they're going to take a lot of advantage of that and uh, i I don't know what it's going to be but i expect it will be pretty amazing yeah okay good um so as we wrap up your time at disney what do you feel is one or two of your lasting legacies that you've left for the company? Well, I I really did a lot of work on developing the Disney Great Leader Strategies because I wanted everybody to be on the same page. With 7,000 leaders, you can't have everybody doing their thing. So I took about a year to work with a consultant on that and put it, and that became the basis for my book, Creating Magic. And so I would say I instilled a lot of better thinking around leadership and management at Disney, at Disney World, and I still hear from people all the time that uh, tell me they learned from my time management seminar or they really appreciate the things that we started to focus on in leadership and be how to be better leaders. And so I would think those kinds of things uh, – I didn't know anything about the park business. I never worked in a park in my life. But it's, you know, the same old story. Have great people, have well-trained people, and have a good culture, and and focus on the customer. You know, the guests are, when you do that, it doesn't matter what business you run. And uh, sometimes companies forget that I just had a terrible experience with American Airlines yesterday. I mean, I've flown up, I've had over 10 trips this month all over the world, Hong Kong, Russia, everywhere. And this guy, I had my carry-on back. I've never had it taken away from me at the door. And this guy was so arrogant that, you know, I will never fly them again. There's too many airlines. There's too many ways. And it just was annoying. And I was paying first class fare. I paid first class $707. And he still just told me, well, that's too bad. And and what was even more annoying, there was plenty of space in the first glass cabin for my bag. Wow. Wow. So who knows? And oh, and he said to me, "I'm sorry, sir, that American Airlines is inconsistent in their policies." Uh, I'm going uh, like, "What?" That, he said that to me. I about wow. fainted. <laughs> I said, "Well, I'll be consistent now. I won't be flying you anymore." Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm consistently going to pay you anymore. <laughs> but that's how you lose business. Some you hire the wrong person. You put them in a job where they got a little power, and they're going to show it off to everybody. Yeah. So. American is on my uh, list of new examples for all my speeches about poor service. You should have handed him a book. (laughs) Yeah, I actually I carry bookmarks with me, but I was so upset I forgot I had them. (laughs) And you will not be in a positive light. Thanks for playing. So. 
uh, so now that you've gone from Disney, what what have you? You know, I could answer this question, but I, I would love to hear you tell everybody what what you've been doing. You've you've authored uh, several books. Uh, you're guest speaking, doing all sorts of stuff. What what have you been doing? Tell me about the Lee Cockrell brand. <laughs> Well, after I retired, you know, first, before I retired, I got an agreement with Disney that they would let me write the book Creating Magic and put Disney on the cover. So that was kind of a miracle. Wow. Oh, yeah. And because uh, they haven't done that before. And uh, so that was great. So that kept me busy for a couple of years because I had to have Disney Legal look it over, which, you know, I got on the other side of the magic. And, uh, <laughs> I like so that. That's a, that's a, new, that that's a, a great time. new phrase, uh, Lee. I like that. Yeah. Movie. Creating Magic in 17 languages now. Wow. It just came out in Russian and Chinese, Japanese. I mean, it's all over the world. And that's been really fun to see that. And then after that, Doubleday, Random House in New York, came and asked me to write a second book. And I said, no, I'm not writing another book. That's hard. And they finally talked me into it. So that one took nine months. And they wanted it on customer service. So I wrote the book, The Customer Rules. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Time Management Magic's always been a thing for me, helping people get organized. Because I think most people don't have a good system for keeping keeping up with everything and keeping their whole life under control. Right. And um, last, I wrote one on career magic, which is about helping people understand all the obstacles you're going to face in your life right. and how to deal with them. Don't overreact. Don't uh, just pick yourself up. I, I, I'm a good example. I started out no college degree. I got as a waiter. I got in management training. Uh, I got passed over once. I got fired once. I got, <laughs> you know, and it all turned out fine. And uh, at some, you know, sometimes we take things too seriously and don't just move on and it can happen. So I wrote those four. I put a website up when I retired and I just kept adding to it. So everything's on my website now. If you want to hear my podcast, Creating Disney Magic, it's 15 minutes every Tuesday. And it's good lessons in leadership, management and customer service. My books are on there. I have a couple of teacher's guides for people who are teachers and professors that are on there that they can print out on how to teach the course. A lot of schools and colleges, universities are using my material now in the classroom. Wow. So I just finished with the University of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State this week. They're using it. Um, Rollins College uses it. UCF uses it. Uh, many, many all over the country. And I'm trying, now I'm working on getting time management into high schools to teach kids wow. about getting organized when they're in, before they go off and try to keep up with the world and be on time to work and their marriage and children and all the things that happen. So that's been fun to to think about because uh, they, they're pretty responsive to it when we show them. Right. So that's what I do and I go speaking and I just came back from Hong Kong, had a speech there and I was in Australia three weeks ago for a speech there and so it's been fun. I meet a lot of very interesting people and companies that I had no idea about and uh, my wife goes with me. Priscilla comes along uh, if she likes where I'm going and uh, so we have a good time and it's been fun. And what are you going to do after you retire if you lay on the couch and watch Kim Kardashian or <laughs> that's not going to then you die in about six months somebody told me don't watch TV during the day Lee and I said that's a good idea yeah yeah. I had an uncle who was a, uh, a police officer in New York City and he always used to tell me retire to what <laughs> yeah exactly somebody asked today sent me a note and said we'd like to buy your house I said where would I live 
<laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. One last crazy question. Uh, if Disney asked you to come back uh, in some, you know, executive position, would you come back? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm as happy as I've ever been. You know, when you get in your own business mm-hmm. and you're your own boss and you make right. your own decisions, you can't go back. Yeah. Impossible. <laughs> I mean, I love what I'm doing. I don't have anybody telling me what I can spend and not spend. And I don't have a cost management. I don't have recessions. If they have recessions, so what? I still keep pretty busy. So, no, entrepreneurs. That's why so many kids want to be entrepreneurs today. They yeah. want to they want to guide their own lives. And corporate life's great. And it gives you a lot. But it's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Especially companies like Disney, I'm sure, and Apple and Google and Costco. Those are companies that really you drive. You work hard, and uh, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now. So, yeah, yeah. we're very excited about what you're doing now, and, and uh, it's it's been great to, to you know read the blog and, and listen to the podcast and stuff. For somebody who's retired, I think you're, you're super yeah. busy, and, and that in and of itself is inspirational. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, and I suggest anybody that's getting older should be thinking about what are you going to do when you retire, and uh, because it doesn't matter if you're doing what I'm doing or you're out helping a nonprofit or American Cancer and United Way. There's plenty of things that need people that have got good experience, especially Disney experience. And uh, uh, you can go, and it's very rewarding, by the way. The most reward I get on my work is when people call me and say, wow, thank you so much. I never thought about that before. It's changed my life, or I'm more organized now. I'm healthier now. I have a better relationship at home with my kids and, and wife. And those are good things because people just, all they know is what they know. And when somebody comes up and tells them something hey here's some things i learned over 50 years maybe you ought to be thinking about them before you get in trouble so it's 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 fun yeah great so where is the uh, best place that people can find you on the internet well you can go to my website which is lee cockerel c-o-c-k-e-r-e-l-l dot com and I keep everything right there so I know where it is. Smart move. <laughs> when I have I have videos on there, I have seminars that I teach, I have, it's everything. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been uh, fantastically. I mean, we learned a lot and hopefully the audience has learned some stuff too. So, uh I am sure that there will be another chapter of Lee Cockrell uh, <laughs> coming soon, whether it's a book, a lecture, or, or some management series or something. I'm sure you have something else in store for us all. So, Well, I'm working out every day because there's only one big uh, issue after you retire. Yeah. <laughs> only one last performance, and I don't want to have that one out. Yeah. So <laughs> so we're, we're waiting for uh, the next book or whatever you got coming for us. But, yeah. Uh, we want to thank you for your time uh, and coming on the show and telling us all these great things and great stories. So uh, we appreciate it a lot. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks for staying up late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. As we'd like to say around here, we'll uh, see you in the parks. The Disney Parks Podcast is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. All Disney Parks, attractions, lands, shows, event names, etc., are registered trademarks of the Walt Disney Company. Like a boat out of the blue Fate steps in and sees you through One upon
Just how you're doing.